Well, it's a Friday morning once again. Time for Brunpunt, where we tackle contentious issues that affects our Christian world on a daily basis. The topic for discussion this morning, is it ever okay to lie? Well, if you read Revelations 21 and verse 8, it says, But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and with sulfur, which is the second death. It's right up there. It's clear for everyone to see amongst all the other abominations, and yet it is practiced on a daily basis all over the world. Even through the Bible, it is clear that it's a sin and displeasing to God. So, time after time, we see the falsehood that leads to misery and loss and judgment. And so the question is, is it ever okay to lie? There are at least two instances in the Bible where lying produced a favorable result. For example, the lie the Hebrew midwives told Pharaoh seems to result in the Lord's blessing on them. If you read Exodus 1 and verse 15 to 21, and it probably saved the lives of many Hebrew babies. Another example is Rahab. Rahab's lie to protect the Israelite spies in Joshua 2 and verse 5. So the question then remains, is there ever a time when lying is the right thing to do? The most common illustration of this dilemma comes from the life of somebody by the name of Corrie ten Boom in the Nazi-occupied Holland. Essentially, the story is this. Corrie ten Boom is hiding Jews in her home to protect them from the Nazis. Nazi soldiers came to her home and asked her if she knows where any Jews are hiding. What is she to do? Should she tell the truth and allow the Nazis to capture the Jews she was trying to protect? Or should she lie and deny that she knows anything about them? Well, you have to go find out more about that story. But as for here and now, have you ever told a lie? Would you say one or two? And if you have to be honest with yourself, how many lies have you told in your lifetime thus far? Well, stay tuned as Brunpunt asked the question this morning, is it ever okay to lie? And speaking to Bible experts on their understanding of what the Scriptures has to say about lying. Don't stray, go away. We'll be back with our respondents right after this. And as promised, God, a very knowledgeable person on God's Word, Pastor Neville Norden. Neville, good morning to you and welcome on the topic of lying. According to the Bible, Genesis 3, verse 1 to 5, the first lie was told by Satan, the serpent in the Garden of Eden. Can we take that for the truth? Was that the first lie ever told? Well, according to my studies, yes. And John 8.44 says, Satan is the father of all lies. So what kind of sin would you say is lying in your understanding of scriptures? Is it really that bad? Is it an abomination in God's eyes? It's really a controversial subject, but... The Bible declares in Exodus 20:16, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And there are two kinds of false witness, public or private. Yet, 
God does, and I'm sensitive when I say he does permit people to act in a way that perseveres or preserves higher life. Because the reason is, do I listen to the law that wants to kill or to God that says you may not kill? They're both laws there. So is one law above another? You may not kill. So with the the time of Moses, the midwives, do they kill the babies? And Kori den Boom does she lie? And, uh, but preserve life? So I want to make a statement and say that even though lying is a sin and Satan is the father of all liars, in a way, there's a choice to preserve higher life. And the purpose is that God preserves life through that. Now, if you had to say to me, approve, if Kori Tin Boom said, yes, I'm hiding people, what then? If she told the story of the midwives came and said that the women were strong, they said to Pharaoh, and were giving birth before we could get to them. Were they lying or was that really the truth or were they sending a message through all the people and say, you know, don't come to us, don't get a hold of us, otherwise we have to lie to the king. So that's a controversial subject in the sense of lying. But then we have Ananias and Sapphira, where they lied to the Holy Spirit. Now, that's a serious matter, because they dropped dead, because they dead lie to the Holy Spirit. Now, Rahab's lie protected the spies in Jericho. Her faith in God was stronger than a fear of men, so she didn't give away the Israelite spies. Should she have told the truth? Or can we say she was a prostitute? But at that moment, she believed. Did that make her a believer and justify the lie? That's hard. Then we have Achan in Joshua 7:11. He took the devoted things when the Jews walked around Jericho on the seventh day and shouted, and Jericho's walls fell down. And I take two groups to Israel. And every year, that's one of the most challenging thoughts to stand at Jericho and think you can shout because the God says so and the walls fall down. But Achan takes some of the things devoted for destruction. And uh, the Bible says that they stole and lied. So he got with his family stoned to death because of that lie. But was there a difference between the the concept of here yeah, is a command from God to shout and to leave the devoted things. There's something holy that they were touching and then lying about it. The same with Ananias and Sapphira. If Ananias and Sapphira kept all the money for the property and just said, we're not giving it to God, yeah. but they gave a portion to God and giving the portion when they said that was all. So they lied directly. If they said we're giving a portion, I believe they would have lived. Neville, you're talking about the consequences of lying here, people paying with their lives. You're speaking in the physical, but there's a spiritual consequence as well. If, if I read the Bible, looking at uh, Revelations 21, 8, and we're talking about Christians and non-Christians, a warning to them that says their portion will be in the lake 
that burns with fire and sulfur. That is the second death. Would a loving God send people to hell for lying or stumble and fall afterwards? How are we to understand the consequences of lying looking at scriptures? We can't get away from the, the concept that Proverbs 12.22 says, The Lord detests lying lips. And then he says in Leviticus 19.11, Do not steal, do not lie, do not deceive one another. So I believe there's a lie. The challenge we have, and then I say the challenge we have, is I don't want to be the judge and say, you're definitely going to hell because you lied. The challenge I have as a pastor is one of my staff members leave. And now somebody phones me and says, this person has applied for work. Would you recommend them? What do I say if I would not recommend them? If I say no, then am I preventing that person from getting a job? Or or do I say the person just didn't fit into our structure? What do I do when that kind of thing happens? That's hard because if I have to give a real report, or is there grace where that person did wrong? And 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sin, then he is righteous, which makes us unrighteous at times. He's faithful, which makes us unfaithful at times. But he's righteous and true to forgive us our unrighteousness and cleanse us of all sin. So if there's a deliberate lie and you're deliberately lying to your advantage, to me, there's no excuse for that. But again, I can't play God because if I'm lying in terms of people phone me and say, we're doing a market research. What is your salary? Now, you can't tell people your salary because immediately people say, but why do you get that? And I don't get that. Part of our problem in society today is people want something that they, there is something like five talents, two and one. The person working with the five, getting the lazy guys one. Now, what do I do when, as, as I just said, specifically people who leave and then they want you to give them a referral and they want you and to... And you can't be honest them. about it. All right. I can't, I can't be yeah. honest. So we're very clear from scriptures, there are consequences for lying. Lying is detestable. It's an abomination. It's wrong in God's eyes. Why is it then that so many people to this very day wouldn't think twice of it to tell a lie. Uh, why is lying still a problem to this very day, would you say, Neville? You know, I can tell half a truth, which is a full lie. I'm in court and the judge asks me something. I tell my side of the story. That's why we have attorneys and advocates. A guy comes and says, you're guilty, you're going to prison. From his perspective. But when you get into court and there's the other side, A judge has to decide. And now the person who's accusing you doesn't like you or wants to see you behind bars. So they start printing fear into your subconscious mind. For this, you're going to go to jail for eight years. Then you go to another advocate and the advocate says, no, this guy's trying to cause you to fear. So in court, you fear and fear and faith are reciprocal forces. So you say something fearful. 
I want to record. I was in court once for a speeding ticket that time. They cut the, the, the speed limit to 80 kilometers when there was a petrol scarcity. I was going downhill and they caught me at 95. And I, when they caught me, I said, it's not fair to have a, a speed trap downhill. The guy said, sir. And I said, isn't there grace? They said, yes, 10 kilometers. You're five kilometers over. I forgot to pay my fine. So I landed in court. When the uh, magistrate got up, he said, guilty or not guilty? I said, Your Honor, according to law, I'm guilty. But he said, have you got anything to say? I said, yes, Your Honor, I have something to say. And I mentioned that they had the speed limit going down. And the, the magistrate said, so according to law, you say you're guilty? I said, yes, Your Honor. He got up and he, he said, the first guy who hasn't lied to me in court today, I can't exempt you. You've got to pay the fine, yeah. but I will not add to the fine. So in protecting people, that's a gray area. Yeah. Yeah. And how do I live with my conscience yeah. if I prevented a guy from getting a job? Yeah. But if they really want to know. And now I, I publicly write that down, then they, they can use that against me in court. So let's make it even harder, Neville. Never mind lying about other people preventing them from getting a job. What does the Bible say about lying to your spouse or lying to yourself or lying to your parents? There's a scripture that I can't get away from. 1 John 1, 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light... We will have true unbroken fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus will cleanse us from sin in all its forms and manifestations, the Amplified Bible adds. So I say to people, are you walking in the light? And if you're not walking in the light, the blood works. Then people tell me, no, I just plead the blood. I said, you know, if I understand the Bible correctly, when the Jews were told to kill a lamb, because it had to speak of the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world, the type, the Old Testament shadow type. They had to take this blood, put it on the lintel and on the doorposts, which pictures a cross. When the angel of death came, he went past that. So the blood had a voice. And if I walk in the light, the blood has a voice. And the blood says, relationship restored. So I can't get away. And then 1 John 1, 8 says, if we say we have no sin, that means that gives me the right to throw a stone. If I'm lying to my wife about one thing, I sit with that when I marry couples. And I say to them, is there anything you haven't told your future bride? Now, I've told her everything. Then I find out he was in adulterous relationships. So I said, in courting her, you lied to her. Now she's your wife. How are you going to continue lying to her? You're not walking in the light. And then to me, I battle with Hebrews 5 verse 9 in the Amplified Bible. Hebrews 5 7 says, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up definite special petitions for that which he not only needed, and not only needed, but wanted. Then verse 8 says, and because of his reverence towards God, in that he shrank from the bright presence of God, he, he got rewarded. So I was asking the Lord to explain that to me. I'm standing, and I've got to go back and share something funny. 
I've got a lot of freckles when I was younger, even more. So when I date a girl, I'd want to pick her up at night and then I'd want to go to a darker place so she couldn't see all my freckles. So I was not walking in the light. I was fearful of her seeing me in the light and then rejecting me. Lying to yourself, so to speak. That's it. So what I'm saying is, if when I came to the Lord, I looked, I saw, was praying one morning, and I saw myself before the Lord, and I looked great. Then the Lord said, come closer, because the Bible says in Psalm 36, 9, with him is the fountain of life. In his light, we see the light. As I came closer, I saw that I was full of spots and wrinkles. And then I said, Lord, I understand grace. And then the Lord took me to Ephesians 4 and he says, my blood has the power to cleanse you. You, my bride, I'll cleanse you. I'll make you spotless and wrinkleless. Can't get away from walking in the light. So stop lying to your spouse. Stop lying to yourself. Stop lying to your parents. Stop lying in general. What about fake news? We live in a modern so-called day and age, social media. Uh, we even been warned against fake news. Isn't fake news lying as well? To be politically correct, not to offend people, but we're not telling truths. We're lying. How do you see that? In the time we've gone through all this conspir- conspiracy theories, I mean, I was getting five conspiracy theories a day, and I was saying, "Lord, what do I do?" He said, "What John eight thirty two, he says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth is in the Word of God. So I'm not led by conspiracy theories. I'm led by the Spirit of God. People ask me, do I take the jab? I said, you ask the Spirit of the Lord. And I said, yes and no. They said, why do you say yes and no? I said, if I've got peace, Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of God reign and rule as umpire in your hearts continually, settling with absolute finality every question that arises in the mind. If I need to take the jab and I've got peace, I'll take it. What if somebody's listening to this broadcast right now and they know that they know they've been given into lying on a constant basis, it's almost become the norm, people telling lies. Will God forgive me for those lies, Neville? Uh, people come to me and they say to me, you know, if 1 John 1, nine is true, if I confess my sin, I said, when you confess your sin, is it mental assent or is it from the heart? I have to go back to Psalm 51. King Saul gets anointed by God. King Saul is anointed by God. He's appointed as king. But then he lies to the prophet. He lies to Samuel about not killing Agag and all the animals. David, when confronted by Nathan, falls down. And he says, I'm the sinner. Then he says in Psalm fifty-one, twelve, create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. So if there's true repentance from the heart, people ask me, what do I mean? I said, repentance is not cremora. It's not a thing in your mind. Oh, I'm sorry. A guy walks past me, bumps me over. So I'm sorry. I said, if the guy stops and says, oh, I'm so sorry. That's true repentance. The other is arrogance. So if there's arrogance in repentance, to me, God rejects that. All right. If I confess my sin, 
with a David with a contrite and broken heart, the Lord says that he will not despise. Well, today is a uh, line in the sand, so to speak, a day, because if you've been lying or struggling with lying, God will forgive you. What about reborn Christians? What if they stumble and fall and tell uh, lies again? What would you say to them listening to this program? Years ago, I was with an evangelist, and a hell's angel got born again that night. I'll never forget that. The hell's angels with those motorbikes, the uh, brill cream hair, and all the stuff that a rough bunch. A rough bunch. He came and knelt and wept. He really got born again. So we're drinking coffee afterwards, and he says, I can't believe it. I'm an XX FN Christian. And he stops. He says, I've just been swearing, haven't I? Nobody told him that. The Holy Spirit that he received began the process of a holiness. In Afrikaans, we've got a beautiful word. We say, I guess, op a pad van heiligheid, a road of holiness. So as people begin to walk with the Lord, the Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit, and I had to learn a thing, uh, he convicts us. Yeah. Sin is conviction. Convict is to show me where I'm wrong. And I'll never forget, PSP Senior said something beautiful. Don't keep telling me what I'm doing wrong. You only increase my guilt feeling. Show me how to do it right and increase my confidence feeling. So that's what we teach people. Have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. He'll lead you on a road of holiness. The Bible is very clear on it, leading you on a road to holiness, the Bible says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you've been lying and struggling with lies, today is the day to stop it dead in its tracks. Neville, some final thoughts for you on the topic, is it ever okay to lie? You know, the Lord comes in Genesis 4-9 and he asks Cain, where is your brother? He says, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And, and that cost him. He became a vagabond. There came a curse on him. So I say to people, if you're living a lie, there comes a curse on you. So I want to say to people, walk in the light and the blood of Jesus will have power in your life. Uh, if I have to protect a life, and I have to fill in many CVs, or let's say people ask me for uh, accreditation for a person, then I really battle because can that person repent? Um, or do I just share a part of the truth? So to me, that's still a challenge. But walking in the light, I, I have to walk in the light with people around me, with my wife, with my children. If I don't, I have broken fellowship. So I just love what John says because John is the writer. He expresses the heart of God in, in the Gospel of John in the three love letters. And John, the beloved disciple, lying with his head against the chest of Jesus, picks up the heart of Jesus. He says, walk in the light and walk in confession. Never again can you say, I did not know, I did not hear. Neville, thank you so much for sharing that final truth with us, the challenge to walk in the light and to grow in holiness. Thank you so much for talking to us here at Brandpunt. 
Thank you, Vainant, and thank you to everybody listening. And if you really have a problem, you can send me an email, Neville, at levendevoer.co.za, because sometimes we say but. And I want to just say one thing. Proverbs 15.15 says, All the days of the desponding afflicted are made evil by anxious thoughts and foreboding. What if and just if? The word of God is clear. I didn't write it. We just preach it.